When Erica was in grade one, she had a lot of questions for her teacher. So she wrote them down in her school journal. What is your favorite program on TV? What is your favorite food? What is your favorite book? And what do you like? What is your favorite color? What is your favorite season? (laughs) What is your favorite day? What is your favorite (laughs) letter in the alphabet? You are a nice toucher. I love you. I hope you are failing, happy, touching, love, Erica, XOXO. (laughs) That's Erica reading from the school journal she kept in grade one. I'm Dan Meisner, and this, this, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at La Sala Rosa in Montreal, we have a lifelong love poem, a diary entry written naked in the rain, a crush on a barista, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid. And stick around. Who in the room went to camp? Do we have anybody who went to camp? Yeah? Our next reader, Dan, when he was 12, went to camp and did not like it very much. And I think we're going to get a sense of that through the letters he wrote home from camp, written at 12 years old, held onto by Dan's mother, and brought here tonight by Dan himself. Please welcome him to our stage. Dear Mom, Dad, and Andy... Andy is my sister. I didn't do much yet. I played hockey, but Jared didn't play, so I played with Josh. My team won, but I'm not sure by how much. Sean Huberman is in my bunk. His mom is camp mother. Did you guys do anything fun without me? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Lunch was pizza, and it sucked. (laughs) That Matthew guy who gave us the tour is around. Anyway, I have to find my watch. I'm not really sure where it is, but I heard it beep, so I know it's around here somewhere. (laughs) Only one month before I come home. Love, Dan. Dear Mom, Dad, and Andy, camp isn't fun anymore. (laughs) The unit head is ruining everything. I hate it. I miss the TV, the computer, the bathtub, my bed, drawers, my own room, a good roof electricity, and you people. (laughs) Too many bugs here. And most of all, Dirksen is a putz. You name it, it sucks here. No activities are fun. The best part about camp so far is my junk food. We all brought a case of our own junk food. Call Sid and arrange for me to come home. I'm sorry I wasted your money on camp, but it isn't fun here, so why should I stay if I'm not having fun? I'd rather hang around the pool with Josh Gordon and Petro. 
Bring me home, all caps. Love, Dan. <laughs> Dear Mom, Dad, and Andy, I think I'm not having fun here. <laughs> I don't know, but I think I want to go home. Whenever I compare staying here to going home, going home sounds much better. Here, everybody eats like pigs. I feel like barfing every meal. It's so disgusting. The food here is horrible. Everybody spills everything like a three-year-old. And, and we play this game at the table, and if you lose, you have to clean the table. At home, we don't eat like pigs. And we don't spill much. That's one reason I want to come home. <laughs> Another one is the bathroom. I don't know about you, but when I sit on the toilet, I don't like bugs buzzing around my head. I like peace, quiet, and privacy. At home, I have all those things. Also, another reason is it takes like 10 minutes to walk anywhere. At home, it takes less than 30 seconds to walk to the kitchen or bathroom. Another reason is here, the only thing I can drink when we aren't having a meal is Kool-Aid, which I enjoy very much, but it wouldn't be so bad to have a glass of milk or juice once in a while. Also at home, I can have a snack whenever I want. Here, I can't just go to the cupboard and pour myself a bowl of Ritz crackers. I have to find my key, open my toolbox, and control myself not to eat all my junk in one day. Also, this may sound weird, uh, but I regret asking for Jer in my tent. Jer was my best friend at the time. He acts like an asshole here. He sings in the morning when he wakes up before everybody, and when he spills something at a meal, he blames it on Josh, and it really pisses him off. Another thing I miss about home is my clothes. At home, if my clothes get dirty, I just change. Here, I can't change because I don't want to waste all my clothes. R right now, I just have to go kayaking. I'll write more when I get back. I'm back. <laughs> anyway, I never noticed how much I appreciated you guys until I didn't have you. I need a hug. <laughs> Please take me home. I have no problem hanging around the pool with Josh Gordon and Petro. Now, after reading this, what sounds better to you? Staying here for another two and a half weeks or coming back to our luxurious home? To me, coming home sounds much better than staying in this hellhole. So bring me home. I don't, I don't know, maybe by the time you get this letter, I'll be having fun, but I doubt it. So I leave you with these math equations. Dan plus YCC equals don't work. Dan plus home equals Dan happy. P.S. Bring me home by calling the camp and arranging it. PPS, if you call and I don't want to come home, then I'll tell you whoever asks me that I don't. Uh, and they did end up coming to pick me up. <laughs> and according to my mom, I took a shower until the hot water was done. And then we went to Pizza Hut. Thank you. There's a line in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off 
life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Our next reader, Amanda, seems to embody that spirit pretty clearly. At our Montreal show, Amanda shared a few private diary entries written the summer she was 16. At the time, Amanda thought this was going to be her very last summer of freedom. So she set some important goals for herself, including creating within herself the ability to do at least 10 push-ups at a time and sorting out her feelings on God. Please welcome Amanda to the Grown Ups We Think Save Artists Kids stage. Came back to Edmonton today under threat of storm warning. Looked for two-piece bathing suit at Giant Tiger. Decided against it. <laughs> Mom got some stuff for me to try on. Much of it way too trendy. Damn, I'm a loser at school. We ate at McDonald's. Came back, played Diablo 2. Did some research on The Handmaid's Tale for my extended essay. Watched Last Comic Standing and Big Brother 5. Talked to some people on MSN. <laughs> Decided to go outside naked in the rain. (laughs) I'm writing this stark naked. I've just been outside in the rain, praying in my backyard in Edmonton, stark naked. Only it wasn't half as romantic as I supposed. (laughs) I was too worried about someone looking outside, about me getting caught. Even though it's almost two in the morning, and it's raining, so no one would be outside anyway. And, I've on- and I only said the ritual prayers with my eyes part open, once again out of fear of being caught. Strange, isn't it? Society imposes clothing. I feel strange without it. I put so much effort, not really that much, into shaping my body, and then hope, hope, hope it isn't seen. That was my day. I disliked the responsibility of having to pack for camp. (laughs) My parents might buy me a bike tomorrow. As Ofred would say, there's no connection. (laughs) Meaning is lost in the search to be profound. I love the Olympics so much. Not just the sports and the inherent drama, but what they represent, the kind of world they seem to promise. I can't believe they were once struck by terrorism. To me, that's worse than bombing a nunnery or a kinder... That's worse than bombing a nunnery or a kindergarten. The Olympics represent global unity, healthy competition, overcoming all boundaries. Nobody should mess with that. Beat Diablo 2 on normal today. We'll resist the temptation to ever play again. Cleaned for two hours, cleaned out the fridge and the computer room. Emailed my topic proposal to Mrs. Duziesh. I worry that I get less and less questioning about the major questions and more and more desensitized as I get older. I love God, but I certainly don't understand him also started another 1,000-piece puzzle. (laughs) Life equals gigantic puzzle. Put a few pieces together, then find out they need to be spun around and plunked in an entirely different place. Thank you. 
each and every one of those entries felt like it was going somewhere and then took a really big turn. That was so great. One of my favorite types of kid writing is correspondence. We heard some of that a little bit earlier with Dan's letters from camp, and we're going to hear a bit more right now. When Sophia was 10, she wrote a note to her mother, and as you'll hear, Sophia put a lot of thought into it. Dear Mommy, Hi, I might be in bed when you get home, so if so, this note has a purpose. If not, this note has no point and is a disgrace. I hope my awakenedness doesn't take away this note's purpose. But that's besides the point. After all, even if I am asleep, if this note does not act as a note telling you what I want it to, I am, once again, taking its purpose away. But I'm getting off topic again. I am getting up at 6.30 in the morning to be picked up at 9. Would you like me to wake you up? (laughs) Circle one. A, yes, wake me up. B, no, let me sleep. C, I'll get myself up. If you circled A, please answer this question. When? Fill in the blank. I love you, and I'll see you in the morning if you picked A or C. If you picked B, I'll see you when I say goodbye. Love, Sophia. P.S. Leave this where you found it, please. Thank you. I love any kid writing that could also be expressed as a flowchart. I think that's great. When Tim was a teenager, he wrote love poems. And of all the teenage love poems I've heard over the years doing this show, these are perhaps the highest concept. Tim, as a teenager, had this really inventive idea that every love poem he ever wrote until the end of his life was going to be one continuous love poem (laughs) written in sections. And so tonight we are going to hear a handful of these sections of the ongoing love poem, which may have stopped several years ago. Please welcome Tim to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. Yeah, I only made it six sections in. Uh, This first one was definitely written before I'd ever kissed anyone. I am naive, and I don't want it any other way. I kiss your supple, juicy lips. I savor your soul, full of delicious mysteries I can only begin to taste. I am foolish, and I wish to stay that way. My life would be dry without your embrace. Uh, The next one is about my first boyfriend after we'd broken up. Yeah. Yeah. That was an appropriate response. Um, Touch meant more than yours. A body in the bed, my arm around someone else, feeling our bodies covered in sweat, feeling the rise and fall of a chest and the steady beat of a heart meant more than yours. The look in your eyes scared me because mine didn't reflect it. Uh, 
Yours are blue, and mine are turning green. The next one I wrote for a friend of his. Uh, but that's probably where the laughter ends. Um, so a uh, quick backstory. Uh, wrote this right after attending the Colorado AIDS walk with said friend, who was the first person who ever confided in me that they were HIV positive. And uh, adult me reading this uh, realizes that I was trying to understand some really big things in my life at the time. And uh, I think I kind of exoticized his health in a way that I'm not particularly proud of. Um, so uh, keep that in mind as I read. Uh, your lethal body is beautiful. The poison in your blood is enticing, diseased, eating away at your body one T-cell at a time. Your look frightens me. The way you stare into my eyes looking for help, I can only give so much before I myself am lost. The way you feel as you cry on my shoulder, will you make a quilt for me when I am gone? What can I say to one so beautiful, to one so enticing as you, diseased and eating away at my heart, one tear at a time. Thank you. One more time for Tim, everybody. Tim wasn't the only one at our Montreal show to share writing about teenage love. When Ash was 15, he kept a diary. And what you need to know is that when Ash wrote this, he was madly in love with the barista at the local Starbucks. Please welcome Ash to our stage. So I was a teenage girl, and this is my teenage diary. March 5th, 2007. My eyes hit yours and my stomach jumped. I could see that you did a double take. Were you unsure of who I was? Did I look good? Were you staring at the rash on my forehead? Even worse, were you noticing how a redness was sweeping over me? Hey there, you said coyishly. How have you been? I took the lattes quickly and stammered. Me, I've been great, really happy and stuff. I mentally slapped myself. How's school? How come we haven't seen you in the last couple of months? He sighed. Well, I uh, only work, how do I say, shift, time? Yes, I only work one time a week here. Oh, we were afraid that you went back to Paris. No, not yet. He grinned again and went back to making more coffee for impatient clients. I thanked him and made a mental note of the date and time he was working. Saturday, 1.30 p.m. I was going to whip out my cell phone and call Adriana to babble about how he was back and hadn't left. I wanted to tell her that he had asked about her and thought of her. Then I realized she was away from her phone and would be for the next couple of days. Sinfully, I allowed myself the pleasure of reserving this moment for my ears only. Was it my imagination or did the latte taste a little better? Mom and I chatted for a couple of minutes about nothing in particular. Foxy, our dog, was comfortable and said nothing. 
On the outside, I looked like a perfectly attentive but argumentative daughter. On the inside, it was a different story. I was all aflutter and thinking of my recent barista. In my days, I decided to get a snack and pushed the table away. A flood of coffee washed over me and woke me up out of my sleepy dreams. Ah, Ash, my mom huffed and rushed off to the bathroom. Cleaning up, my mom took the time out to preach to me the sins of coffee costing more than a dollar. (laughs) Personally, I didn't care of the price. I was paying for my drug and paying to see my dealer. (laughs) We shared a few more moments that day, like when he winked at me and gave me free food. I was in the clouds for the rest of the day. Even now, I've thought of countless paths. But what of Adriana? Did he really like me, or was he just flirting with me? Why would he like me? Does Adriana really like him? Well, that last question was answered pretty quickly. (laughs) Ash, oh my God, tell me, she shrieked into the phone. Uh, what do you want to know? I was unsure about how to go about this. Deep down inside, I just wanted to be alone with my infatuation and fantasies. I couldn't do it to Adriana. I didn't want to become one of those man-eating teens who destroys their friend's esteem. (laughs) But that grin made me melt quicker than ice cream in the Sahara Desert. (laughs) She went on to tell me about how she's waited for him to be back and how she really likes him. She was unsure if he liked her too. Did he ask more about her? Maybe they do something together. Growl. Easy hormones, easy. (laughs) To be honest, I was afraid. I didn't want Adriana to tell me how much she liked him. I wanted her to tell me how much she liked him, but not enough to do anything else. If the best glow you can have is from being in love, the best comebacks come from being jealous. (laughs) After we finished talking, I stared at the phone. What do I do now? Easy. I'll let fate deal the cards. What's to be, will be. Thank you. Ash, everybody. What I love about that is how, on the surface, it's a very, very cute teenage crush story with just the slightest twinge of stalker tendencies. I thought it was so good. Our next reader, Catherine, is going to share some selections from the diary she kept at 17 years old. And these have to do with a very big deal in a lot of teenagers' lives, grad night. Please welcome Catherine to our stage. June 3rd, 1986. Dear Diary... It's unbelievable. Another year of high school has ended. I remember when I wrote about my first day of high school. I guess I'll start with grad night. About a month earlier, I had summoned all of my confidence and guts, and with infinite prodding and encouragement from friends like Tracy, I asked Mr. Shapiro, shall we say Stephen, if he would like to to come with me to Rizzo Hall. What? He replied. In other words, would you like to be my escort at my grad? Oh, he said, sure. 
He actually said that he was flattered and honored that I'd asked him. Actually, he was going out with someone at the time, but she was going to escort Stephen's best friend to his grad, so I guess they had an open relationship. (laughs) They, Stephen and the girl, broke up a week before my grad. Anyway, Stephen came over to my house. There he played the piano, his primary activity at my place. We got dressed. He had a black and white tux and red cummerbund and bow tie. We complimented each other. His first comment upon seeing me all decked out, you're wearing makeup and everything, exchanged... (laughs) Corsages. He got me after having asked me what kind I wanted. It didn't matter, he informed me. They all cost around eight or nine dollars anyway. A large assortment of cream-colored rosebuds and baby's breath. I got him a simple, classic red carnation. The florist's expression when I had asked him for his opinion on a red and white carnation convinced me that this was not the occasion to try and be avant-garde here. <laughs> then we set off to Melissa's cocktail party. Being a liberated lady, I drove. (laughs) Music, posing for photos, munching on hors d'oeuvres, punch, non-alcoholic, I later found out. Gawking at the limo and standard chauffeur followed. Then we departed for the Grand Ritzo Hall. Seven-course meal, pretty decent, not spectacular. Music, okay, except too much funk at one point. Danced a bit. Left Ritzo at around 12.15 a.m. and went to my house changed into downtown clothes. Met up with Liam and some other great tens who came with us in my car. When I found out at Ritzo that Liam was going to come with us, I nearly died. I couldn't believe it. Well, we went downtown and saw millions of other grads. A lot of French kids actually wore their tuxes and gowns in Burger King. Oh, brother. (laughs) We couldn't decide where to go. Bar hopping? We knew we wouldn't all get in. Bowling on grad night? Boring. Okay, guys, let's hit the annex. We've got nothing to lose. I follow Rory inside, and we go downstairs. There's a tiny mirrored dance floor and DJ booth, small tables and chairs. I turn around and realize that the rest of the gang hasn't followed me in. They come in and soon tell us that the bouncer had asked Jing for ID. No surprise. Luckily, he had Barry Chan's driver's license and Medicare card because he'd just turned 18 that morning, so the bouncer let them all in. (laughs) So some of us ordered drinks, beer, screwdrivers, but since Rory and I were driving, we didn't touch the stuff. We danced to Tequila, Pee Wee Herman's theme, Brian Adams, and Bruce Springsteen. Then I was so hot, I went to sit down. I was next to Liam and Jing when a slow song came on, and I summoned what was left of my guts after I had asked Stephen to the grad, and I traded a piece of gum with Liam for a dance. Of course he couldn't refuse. (laughs) So we danced slow, and when that song was over, he didn't let go for the next. It was slightly awkward because he's so tall, and I'm no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar myself. But besides that, I felt very at ease and comfortable in his arms. So romantic, ah. He asked me if I was wearing Lauren, but I didn't understand what he was saying until he had said it about five times because the music was so loud. But then when I finally understood what he was talking about, I had to say no. So he asked me what it was, and I hesitated in answering. I guess it just seemed like an embarrassing thing to tell at the time, but I told him. It was soon closing time, 3 a.m., and the waitress practically had to kick us out of the place. After walking about downtown a bit, we decided to meet at a park near Stephen's house, where he'd bring some beer. Ugh, not again. As Stephen was putting the beer in the fountain in the park to keep it cold, Dan Dan said something like, "Uh, guys, there's a cop car over there. We peeked around the corner and sure enough saw a police car inching forward towards us. Panic, Tracy, beer in hand, and me, sleeping bag in tow, ran like hell to the car. The guy soon came back to my car with a case of beer. Stephen had told the police his fridge was on the fritz, and he had to keep the beer cold somehow. The police told him to have a good grad, but go drink the beer somewhere else. 
Okay. We then all proceeded to the mountain. Millions of grads were there, all congregated for the same purpose, to celebrate. I just wanted to sleep. I left my car, popped into the back seat of Rory's plush machine, and put my head down on Liam's lap. I must have been in a daze. I found out later that Tracy had ended up hand-holding with Stephen. Musical grad dates was okay by me. Had my arm stroked by Liam, much to my, well, I guess I was too tired for it to register fully at the time. After the sun came up, Stephen and Tracy went off to buy Dunkin' Donuts, and I went with the rest of the gang back to my house. Lying on the living room couch with Liam, he was tickling my arm again. I must have been really out of it. Then the rest of the gang showed up. We pigged out on munchkins, and then we slept a bit. At least some of us did. Wow, what a day, night, morning. Thank you. Catherine, everybody. Make some noise if you are wearing your downtown clothes tonight. (laughs) Montreal, that has been grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Huge round of applause for everybody who read tonight. So, so good. Thank you to Sylvain for doing sound tonight. Everybody sounded great. Thank you to Ainsley at the door. Thank you to everybody here at the Salarosa. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around. Say hello. Get home safe. We'll see you soon, Montreal. Bye. and nunnery or a kindergarten. (laughs) 